The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Wednesday, November 3rd edition of the show. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWC. Hopefully everybody's week is going well. It is Thursday. It is time for us to discuss and preview the week that is coming in college football. And I am very excited to do so. Uh, hopefully all of you guys are having wonderful, wonderful weeks and uh, and you're getting ready to bet on a lot of football. If you are getting ready to bet on college football this weekend and the NFL and, of course, the World Series, and the NBA has started back up, and we've got college basketball in just about a week. We've got all kinds of things going on. You can do it all over at BetUS. They bring you the show each and every time out. BetUS is America's premier online sportsbook. Go and check them out. Of course, BetUS.com is where you find it. I host the BetUS College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday right here, right here uh, on YouTube. Go and check it out. Of course, there is the BetUS Football Podcast uh, go and check that one out as well. But make sure you are subscribed here. Make sure you are, uh, are subscribed there. All the different places that you need to be. All right, we're not going to try and spend too long. I don't want to do a full hour tonight. But uh, but we've got some news to discuss. I have not discussed news thus far this week. It's time for us to hit on a few things, right? Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into the first topic, and that would be the Big 12 TV deal is officially done. That's the first thing that we need to cite here. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we can get into about what it all means. So let's first dig into the details, right? $2.28 billion, $380 million per year. That's $31.6 million per school. Uh, it's expected close to $50 million after we get all of the CFP, NCAA tournament money, etc. Once all that stuff gets done, it's going to be closer to $50 million per school. That is an increase. In that sense, Brett Yarmark was correct as far as saying that it was going to be an increase over what they had prior. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you exactly how much media rights for sports has gone through the roof, especially for college football, because it is the second highest rated sport in the country, maybe in the world, probably in the country. Soccer is right there, of course, uh, aside from the NFL. NFL is king. We all understand that, especially in the United States. This deal is, of course, with Fox and ESPN. So something to pay attention to there. Uh, this deal is done before the Pac-12's deal gets done. So that is certainly a mark in the favor of the Big 12, right? It ends before the SEC and the Big Ten deals are up, so that will help as well. That's a massive, massive thing for at least from what I from what I read. I'm hoping I've got that correct, but it should be done 
before those deals are finished with the Big Ten and the SEC, which means they will be first to market next time. The other part about this, the Big 12 has a pro rata deal with ESPN in their new media contract, and it's only for P5 schools, right? So it's not you don't get an automatic adjustment for G5 schools. They're not going to expand with San Diego State. They're not going to bring in SMU. They're not bringing in Memphis, et cetera, right? They have got their group of schools locked in, and the deal is you now have a grant of rights that goes through, I believe, 2030, maybe 2031, somewhere around there. Once that grant of rights uh, locks in, those schools are set. And not, not even once it goes in, they are locked in now. They have signed away their rights, tied them to the Big 12. And this is huge for the Big 12, for stability, for everything else, right? The change here is ESPN is now the prime shareholder, so all of the biggest Big 12 games going forward, uh, starting in the 2024 season, 2025, whatever it is, uh, once this deal begins, ESPN will be the spot where all of the biggest games go. You will not have the biggest game of the week in the Big 12 being on Fox or on FS1 or whatever. Uh, as you can see, like Texas at Kansas State this week is on uh, FS1 uh, because Fox chose that one. So something to pay attention to, of course, going forward. Uh, Texas Tech at TCU is on Big Fox this week. Of course, Big Noon Kick, etc. cetera. Uh, that's huge for those schools. What does it all mean for the Pac-12? Well, certainly, because this deal was done with Fox and ESPN, it means that there will be a streaming element for the Pac-12. That's a huge, huge situation there. Um, They're probably going to be signing with Amazon. That appears to be uh, the way that the tea leaves are blowing at this moment. But the good thing for the Pac-12, aside from, you know, yeah, you're... You may be last to market, but you are going to be able to get in on the streaming wave that Amazon and Apple and everybody else is trying to get in on. They want to be involved with live sports. They understand that's where viewers spend the most time watching. Uh, it's where you can keep people on an app or on uh, their televisions for longer. And you can toss in ads. You can do all kinds of things, especially I'm sure that Amazon is going to put some kind of a gambling proponent, some kind of a click here if you want to buy team merch, you know, whatever. Uh, all of that stuff will be available on an Amazon app or Apple or whatever, right? Those things will happen. The good thing for the Pac-12 is that this Big 12 money, I don't think is enough to pull Pac-12 teams away from the Pac-12. I think that's the biggest thing here is the pro rata, and I've seen multiple things. If it's a P5 school, then that means that, you know, the school that comes in, whoever it may be, if it's just one or two or whatever, their share goes up the same as everybody else's. That's that's one thing that I've read. Another part of this contract that I've read is that actually it only goes up like 63%. I believe that was John Canzano. Either Canzano or Wilner said that. Um, that's, that's definitely something to pay attention to. Let me go on and bring up... Uh, this good article over at uh, Black and Gold Banner uh, Banneret. So that's the UCF site over at SB Nation. And there's a lot of, you know, good stuff in here, right? All of this stuff was broken by uh, Marshand and uh, John Orand, right? Uh, this is, you know, the payout pie gets bigger by one slice is what the pro rata clause says here. Uh, let me see if I can... Yeah, there we go. So that sets up, if a school decides to join, the value of the contract goes up by the per school amount, which is the payout pie gets bigger by one slice. Um, but you can also read here that, let's see, where is it? Da, 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 and I thought I saw it. Uh, but it, So Kenzano said something about it being only um, only 63%. Here we go. Uh, if they add a Power 5 member, they would only get 63%. The current members in the Pac-12 would have to take a haircut, and that helps the Pac-12. That's what Ken Zano said. I, I don't know which one is correct, right? And, and we haven't seen the contract, so who knows what to make of that. But the way that it looks right now, because the grant of rights has been signed, etc., I don't believe that the Big 12 is going to be taking a Pac-12 school. So realignment, as far as the P5 level is concerned appears to be done for quite some time right now. Um, with the Pac-12, 
that does help them out significantly as far as the fact that there's this prorata clause. It helps the Pac-12 as far as their expansion efforts, right? And we see, of course, this was over at Stanford Cardinal, uh, all Cardinal FN. So Fan Nation, uh, it's an SI.com site. It says, Pac-12 and San Diego State have had ongoing communication. San Diego State widely considered to be the next Pac-12 school if expansion happens. It says there have been murmurs, whispers, or in some cases, straight-up yelling when people discuss the future of the Pac-12. Um, now, we appear to be well past the belief of teams leaving for the Big Ten and the Big 12, etc. And it looks like the Pac-12 is moving into expansion. Uh, John Canzano is, of course, the one who reported this. And San Diego State is the one that's widely been considered as the surefire future member of the Pac-12. And I could understand it. Right, The Huron Consulting Group is helping San Diego State make the jump to the Power 5, and the school itself did, however, decline to comment on the matter. Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise for two reasons. The Pac-12 has already asserted that securing the conference's media rights deal is the main priority. Secondly, and more of just how things work in college football, not a single expansion move will happen publicly until it is all but done. And this is true. This is true. Uh, it does mention in here the UC Regents may try to prevent UCLA's move, but... I don't believe that that's actually going to happen here. This is this is interesting. Uh, San Diego State, I think, it, so that would be the 11th member. Typically, you would want to bring in and have like a 12th member, but it would all depend on what Amazon and ESPN or Fox or whoever ends up uh, getting these Pac-12 rights, what they want to do as far as late nights, what they want to do as far as uh, et cetera, right? There's a lot of different things here. So this Big 12 deal, while really good for the Big 12, it also may be pretty good for the Pac-12 as well. Just something to watch out for as you're going along. This is a, this is a huge deal, and I think it marks the end of a lot of instability and a lot of uh, things that we have been unsure about, right? Like we are finally getting to a point where we're moving into CFP expansion. Everybody's going to stand pat. We might see San Diego State move. We might see one more move, but I don't think the Big 12 is going to be adding a lot. I don't think we're going to see much else, to be honest. I think I think we're getting to a point where it's time to chill out, and that's a good thing. Moving along, we got to bring up Michigan State. Michigan State has now suspended a total of eight players after the brawl that was happening inside the big house after the game last week. 29-7 to Michigan win, of course, in Ann Arbor. And yes, things got ugly. And we saw the nasty side of this rivalry. You, you heard Blake Corum go up to the post-game press conference and talk about, I thought Tuck was coming. All I saw was Tuck running, you know, whatever it was that he said. And now you have a list of Michigan State players that have been suspended. We'll bring it up on the screen. It says defensive ends Jacoby Winman and Brandon Wright and cornerbacks Justin White and Malcolm Jones are now suspended indefinitely, along with the ones that they suspended prior, which is linebacker Tank Brown, safety Angelo Gross, defensive end Zion Young, and cornerback Kerry Crump. Uh, when you look at exactly what those what those guys mean for this defense, Winman, of course, is the biggest one. Uh, he came from UNLV. Started the first six games at defensive end, the last two at linebacker. He is the first player in program history to be named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week three times in one season. 49 tackles, led the team with 10.5 tackles for loss and 5.5 sacks. Uh, He's number one in the country with six forced fumbles and has one interception and a fumble recovery. The dude is an absolute player. They've got other guys that have started this season. Gross, Young, Wright, and White. Um, This is... This is a pretty big deal, but I've got a couple of questions here. Uh, One, Mel Tucker is now going to have to answer questions as he goes along about uh, the culture of his program, everything else, right? And I don't necessarily know that any of this uh, has to do with the culture of his program. You got two teams that really don't like each other. Michigan really didn't like the way that things ended in East Lansing last year. And then they get a big win. And, of course, we're not going to blame the tunnel for the way that Michigan State acted at the end of this, but you got players on opposing sides that simply do not like each other. So we don't know what the situation was with the kid that actually got attacked and how he, how he may have provoked it or 
didn't or whatever it was, right? It was just, it was a weird situation. It's not a good look for anybody. And that includes Michigan. Um, my, my biggest question here is, should we really be getting police involved in, in this? And I understand, yes, somebody was attacked, right? But from what I can understand, nobody was, was really badly injured this was a typical, like if this had happened actually on the football field, you know, somebody taking off a helmet and swinging it at somebody, et cetera. Uh, you know, we saw this in the NFL not that long ago. So what would we have gotten if it had actually happened on the field where everybody could see it? That's I, one. I don't think you would have a lot of players jumping one player, but Eh, it, it makes me a little uneasy that we would get police involved in something along these lines. Now, as far as a civil case goes, if there were injuries, everything else, yes, I can absolutely understand that. But uh, football is a violent sport. You know, I'm not sure that this was the right course of action. Uh, I think it plays into Michigan stereotypes, you know, wanting to throw everybody in jail anyway. Like, it, it, I just, I worry about this. I, I worry what this could lead to going forward if you've got somebody that takes a cheap shot on the football field that hurts, you know, really hurts somebody, will you look at taking legal action against that player? Right? You know, we've got targeting in these games, etc. It it could be a very weird path that we would head down with something like this. So I I wonder, I worry about this, and no. I didn't mean anything bad about Michigan. I didn't mean anything bad about Michigan State, if I may have said anything that even sounded remotely like that. Okay? So let's not get it twisted for any Michigan fans or whoever else. There's been a lot of people coming into the uh, to the comments and the mentions or whatever uh, talking about me talking trash. I'm just giving you my point of view on this. Bottom line. So I, I wonder what's going to happen next. I'm paying close attention to this to see exactly what we're going to have happen. But... Eey, this one's a rough one. This is a rough one. Uh, we'll move along to Florida. And as Florida is proving, there are casualties when you are changing cultures. And a locker room is certainly where that's going to happen. Uh, Brenton Cox has been dismissed from the Florida football team. Of course, he's the ex-Georgia transfer uh he was a pass rush guy, etc. He appeared last week to have punched Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh after he scored a touchdown on Saturday. Uh, Billy Napier said it was time to move on from Cox. It was not one incident, but it was a cumulative effect that led to dismissal. It, this is what happens when you have culture change inside of a locker room. You are trying to switch out uh, the vibe of the room, etc. If if this is a cumulative effect, then this is something that uh, has been coming for a little while now, and it's it's going to send a big message. It's going to send a very strong message uh, when you you know dismiss a fifth year redshirt junior outside linebacker that you know had a lot of tackles, a lot of you know quarterback hurries, etc. Like this was a talented player, I, you know. I, I don't know I don't know necessarily what it means for this season, but maybe it's a net positive going forward. Uh, I think it just kind of goes to show that Billy Napier is not going to put up with with any kind of crap uh, from his football team. Now Brenton Cox did come out afterwards and said uh, he did issue a statement and he said being a part of this program and having the ability to wear the number one jersey was an honor and a privilege. I find it hard to express my disappointment in being dismissed from the team. It is truly a shock. Uh, I have always had a competitive spirit. I think sometimes that gets misconstrued. And I would assume he's talking about the swipe that he took at Kenny McIntosh. Uh, he said that he is now turning his attention to preparing for the professional ranks while vowing to work and have positive influences as he moves forward. Uh, he, he declared for the NFL draft. So he's, he's not going to try college again. I don't even know that he necessarily had any eligibility left. But... Yeah, this is an interesting spot here for the Florida Gators football program because it's going to do one of two things. It's going to fracture the team for the rest of the season because who knows how many players on that team were uh, still friends with Cox. Uh, or it could end up you know, locking this thing in 
and letting everybody know exactly what the expectations are going forward. Uh, You've seen it all, I would imagine, on Twitter, everywhere else, of the players that talked about F this team and whatever else after some of the losses this season. That kind of stuff is exactly why you have a change in leadership. And you can't just swap a culture overnight. It's almost impossible to do. What Josh Heupel has done is incredibly impressive. He came in late in the last cycle, and within, you know, just over a calendar year, about a calendar year and a half, now has the number one football team in the country. But I don't know how much of that locker room situation was poor. It was just a poor coaching job. When you have complete decay of a locker room culture, it's going to take a little while to get out the pieces that don't need to be there, that are not worried about team success, etc. Now, Billy Napier did go through this at Louisiana. By year two, he was off and running, uh, and you saw what happened after that. This is only year one. Now, Brian Kelly appears to have fixed a lot of things at LSU. Let's pump the brakes on that. There's a lot of talent there. They haven't made it through like the meat-meat part of their schedule just yet. Let's see what they look like at the end of the season, as they get through November. Uh, maybe Brian Kelly's a miracle worker, too. We'll see. But Billy Napier uh, doing, I think, what he feels like he has to do in order to uh, get this thing moving right along. All right, I'm going to give some thoughts on the college football playoff rankings. So let's go ahead and uh, write down our times here. I was going to talk a little bit about Lane Kiffin, but I don't think I'm going to do that now. College football playoff ranking thoughts after the first uh, rendition, after the first episode of the weekly playoff rankings. Uh, First off, how ridiculous is this, that we are talking about this, etc. I've had a lot of people hit me up in the DMs asking my thoughts on this, so I'm just going to go ahead and toss out a few thoughts on it overall. Uh, We're going to go ahead and pull it up on the screen. Of course, this you can find over at collegefootballplayoff.com. Number one, of course, Tennessee. I don't think that's a surprise. They've got really, really good wins. Of course, the win at LSU looks much bigger now. The win over Alabama, of course, is huge. Uh, You've got a big win. I say a big win. A road win at Pitt earlier in the year. A win over Florida, uh, etc. You've got a lot of good wins on this resume, and this team looks like they are peaking right now. They look fantastic. Ohio State at number two, over number three, Georgia. Does not bother me. I could not care less. Uh, Georgia and Tennessee play this weekend. One of them is going to fall back anyway. Doesn't really matter. Ohio State has a big win over Penn State. Uh, You know, I know Georgia's got the win over Oregon. Uh, That's in a neutral site location, quote-unquote neutral site. It was effectively a home game. Ohio State had to go on the road to Penn State. Like, other than that, these two teams are one and the same. Georgia's got a really good defense. Uh, The offense, better than expected. Ohio State's defense is really good. And the offense, of course, is explosive. uh, And they haven't had, you know, one of their best players uh, for a large portion of this season. Those don't bother me all that much. Clemson at four. I guess I get it. And I think this is where you start to dig into a little bit of brand bias, right? Uh... Clemson at four is weird to me. Now, I can understand them being over Michigan because they've got, at least according to these rankings, Wake Forest, NC State, Syracuse. uh, Who else have they beaten? I think that's it. And so those are their three wins in the top 25 of this ranking. Eh. I mean, they didn't look great really in any of them. And then you've got Florida State in there, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Michigan being at five makes sense because of how poor the non-conference schedule was, right? And they, they've beaten Maryland, which is okay. Uh, they beat Indiana, which is, I mean, you absolutely should beat them by three touchdowns. Uh, they've got a massive win over Penn State, but that game was at home. There's a lot left that you need to look at on Michigan's schedule. Uh, this schedule, the, the resume just is not there to really prove a whole lot of points here. Um So, yeah, I'm not all that upset about Clemson being ranked over Michigan. What I'm a little concerned about is TCU back at number seven. Now, I understand that the defense is not great 
for TCU and understand game control and everything else. But you start looking at all these different metrics that the playoff committee is looking at, strength of record, everything else, like TCU is ranked higher in those. I think TCU has played a, a stronger schedule than Clemson has. Now, you wouldn't necessarily see it because of who the playoff committee has ranked, you know, Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State, all at 2021 and 22. But, you know, no, we don't have, you know, we've got Kansas State in here at number 13. Uh, but other than that, you know, you've got Oklahoma State at number 18. You got two top 20 wins, and Clemson has one. Yeah, I mean, TCU's got two top 18 wins, and Clemson has none that are ranked that high. Uh, so I'm, I'm very curious about why they have TCU where they have them. Uh, I will say, if TCU makes it through undefeated, this is just an all-time coaching job by Sonny Dykes and that bunch because their bye week, um, their bye week was in week three. So they would have to go through the entire Big 12 slate without a bye. That's pretty nuts to do. Like it's a, It was a weird scheduling quirk that they had there. Um, but yeah, I mean, week three for a bye, just ridiculous. Oregon at eight, totally fine. I think UCLA probably should have been ranked ahead of USC. Having LSU at 10 was a bit surprising, but, you know, this is coming off the heels of a massive win over Ole Miss, and you see what they think of Ole Miss with having them at number 11 there. Uh, so I might would have ranked the Pac-12 teams differently. Uh, you know, Oregon at 8, I think it's fine because they have been an absolute steamroller since the loss to Georgia. Uh, USC, I would have UCLA over them. Um, Kansas State at 13, fine. Utah at 14, a little bit surprised there, but, I mean, once you get into this point, eh, you know, what are we looking at? Um, Penn State at 15, okay, I guess. Uh, your losses are to Michigan and Ohio State. You start looking at numbers, and no, the offense is not great for Penn State, but this this is a pretty good football team with two top five losses. Might would have put Penn State over Utah. Just throwing that out there. Um Illinois at 16, I like that. I might would have had Illinois a little bit higher. I might would have had Illinois over Penn State, to be honest. Uh, only one loss, and I understand that they haven't exactly beaten a whole lot of people. And the one loss was a bad loss. But this defense is for real with them. You get to number 17, North Carolina. I don't really know what to do with this team. I still don't know that this team is really good, but they keep winning. So what are you going to do? Tulane in at number 19. Uh, you got UCF at number 25. UCF wins this week. Tulane wins this week. We'll talk about it here in a minute, but possible game day implications? We shall see. Texas at 24. Oregon State at number 23. Okay. Um, is Oregon State, like, are they deserving? Really? Uh, I've got I got questions there. Um, Texas at 24. I mean, they've got three losses. I understand one of them was, uh, was without Quinn Ewers. Really, you could say two were without Quinn Ewers. But... I I think UCF deserved to be in. I think that's good. Uh, Florida State, I think, should have been in there if you're going to have Texas in as a three-loss team. Uh, NC State, you know, I, I, the fact that they are ranked coming off of just an ugly, ugly win over Virginia Tech. I mean, they finally found some offense in the fourth quarter last week. Uh, that, that was a rough one. Absolutely rough. So... Wake Forest being in there at 21. Of course, they were top 10 just last week in the AP poll before they got blasted by Louisville. Uh, curious to see what these ACC teams do going forward. Of course, you got Wake Forest and NC State this week. So, um, so yeah, I think TCU might have been snubbed a little bit. Uh, it's kind of obvious the ACC was propped up a little bit. But again, once you get down to about mm, number 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there, uh, it all kind of gets hairy anyway. So I don't really know uh, that the first rankings necessarily matter. Uh, they matter as far as like maybe perception starting off, but eh, I would not worry about this. All right, on the backside, we're going to talk game day locations. We're going to talk our preview for week number 10. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. 
Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And now... Back to the show. All right. Moving along, uh, let me tell you to go and check out the Valtimary Surf Company. Clothing line, really awesome. They do college towns in, I guess, kind of beachy themes. I've got two of the shirts. They're absolutely fantastic. Go and check them out. ValtimarySurfCo.com. I've got a link in the description, so go and check that out. Um, But use the promo code Gary10, and you will get 10% off of your purchase. That's G-A-R-Y-10. One zero Gary ten for ten percent off of your purchase at Valtimary Surfco. All right, moving along. Where is College Game Day going for week number eleven? We got a few options. Obviously, a lot will depend on what happens this weekend. I think the first option has to be Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi, Ole Miss hosting Alabama next week. Now, this will of course depend on whether or not Alabama gets the win in Baton Rouge. Alabama is a 13, 13 13.5-point favorite, somewhere around there, uh, in Death Valley. If they're able to get that win, Ole Miss is on a bye this week. That game next week would be for the SEC West. That's a huge, huge spot, especially with all the Lane Kiffin to Auburn talk, right? If if you're Lane Kiffin and you can take Ole Miss to the SEC championship game, do you really need to go to Auburn? I mean, yes, obviously there are some... And we'll talk next week on reasons why Lane might take the Auburn job. There's obviously some reasons. But that's a pretty, pretty big deal. Ole Miss has not been to the SEC championship game. So that would be your game number one there. Uh, Game number two. If you can get UCF to win at Memphis and you get Tulane to win at Tulsa, you will have UCF going to Tulane in Nolens next week with a battle of top 25 AAC teams. I think that's a pretty big deal. I think that's a a humongous deal. Uh, I don't know that game day has been to Tulane. If they have, it was probably 1998 when when Bowden was there. Right, Tommy Bowden. Um, You know, Rich Rodriguez, I think, was his offensive coordinator at that point. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, You do have TCU at Texas next week. They've already been to Texas, but TCU is such a big story nationally right now. That could be a a possibility. And then North Carolina at Wake Forest. If everything else just completely falls apart, you could go to Wake Forest if Wake Forest is to get a win over NC State and if, of course, North Carolina beats Virginia this week. Uh, My prediction is they will go to Alabama at Ole Miss. I think they love going to the Grove. This is the perfect spot to do it. Uh, but you got to have Alabama beat LSU this weekend in order to make it happen. If that doesn't happen, I would imagine you will see the fellas 
down at Tulane. You might see him in Jackson Square, wherever, down in New Orleans. That's what I would think. All right, moving along. Moving into the college football Week 10 preview. I ask a lot of questions about the weekend that is coming up. We are going to dive into all of them. And let's start off with this, of course. We do have, right down the times, the biggest brand games. Which games this weekend will get the highest ratings? Which games will be the most talked about, etc.? And I think this is easy. Tennessee at Georgia is number one with a bullet. I mean, it's just an absolute knockout. This is the one that's going to get the highest ratings of the weekend. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the atmosphere around this ball game in Sanford Stadium, I think is going to be huge. Georgia hasn't had a game like this since Notre Dame came in there back in 2019, 2018, whatever it was. Uh, massive, massive spot. So I I look forward to seeing this. Uh, Alabama at LSU is game number two that I think will have the highest ratings. I know that it is on cable. Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler are going to be in Death Valley for this one, so they've got the number one broadcasting team there. It's a huge, huge spot. Huge spot. I know that it's going up against Florida State Miami, but really, I mean, what are we talking about here? Uh, I think Alabama LSU is going to draw huge numbers, especially after watching the SEC East situation. If LSU beats Alabama, I mean, they are, they got a straight shot to the SEC West title. If Alabama wins, still got to get through Ole Miss next week. So it changes the ramifications for games next week. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's going to be a huge spot. If it's if it's close at all, Alabama-LSU could be... Eh, it's not going to be more highly rated than Tennessee-Georgia. Let's not get crazy. But regardless, it's going to be a lot of people watching this. There's nothing that brings ratings more than a close game against Alabama. Just saying. Clemson at Notre Dame. Yeah, NBC game. Uh I think it's number three on this list. You know, Notre Dame fans, Clemson fans, etc. They they will get into this. But again, this is a channel that you don't normally watch college football on. The vast majority of the country does not watch college football on NBC. You watch Notre Dame because you either love them or you hate them. And that's about it. But this is a huge matchup. Could be really, really good for them. Uh, I'm very interested, very interested in this one. We will see what ends up going on with that. I think number four is going to be Ohio State at Northwestern. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be disgusting. It's at Ryan Field in Evanston. I know it's going to be bad. But Ohio State brings numbers every single time out. This one, I believe, is on ABC, and it's a noon Eastern time kick. Not a lot of competition. You're going to have a lot of Ohio State fans watching. Just bottom line. Texas Tech at TCU. This one, of course, big noon kick on Fox. That has become a prime window. People turn it on to Fox for the morning show, the game show, uh, game day show, whatever it is, excuse me. Um, and then they keep the TV on that channel. I think this has the chance of being maybe a, a pretty competitive ball game. We'll see what ends up happening with it. Obviously, Texas Tech, it's very high variance. Anything can happen when that bunch gets on the field. But that one, I think, is number five here. Number six, Florida State at Miami. Of course, another night game. Um, it's a rivalry. It's brand name helmets. You know, this is a helmet game. Bottom line. Mario Cristobal against Mike Norvell. Interesting matchup. I think it could be a bloodbath, but we'll see. Uh, I've got Florida at Texas A&M. This is another early game. This one's on ESPN. Two huge fan bases. Both of them trying to figure out what exactly is going to go on. One, certainly building for the future. Uh, A&M trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces right now and get this thing back rounded into shape. And then finally, I've got Kansas at Tech, uh, excuse me, Texas at Kansas State. This one's on FS1 uh, in the evening. I think it will be the highest-rated FS1 game that they have had in quite some time. Um, this should be a very, very interesting ball game. You know, Texas favored by just a little bit there uh, after Kansas State just absolutely ripped it off of Oklahoma State last week. Uh, line's a little fishy. Line's a little weird right there. Moving along, write the times down here. The most exciting games... Which games will be the closest this week? Of course, I've got Tennessee at Georgia number one. Not going to spend long on that one. Houston at SMU could certainly be interesting this week. I personally have watched SMU multiple times. I don't think they're a very good football team. Houston, also not a great football team, but this is a team that's improving. 
Houston is a dog by three points on the road here. I, I mean, I said it on the college football show. I tend to like Houston here. I think it's going to be tight. These are rifles. So I, I think this will be a tight ball game here. Florida at Texas A&M. You want to talk about exciting. Like, Florida is a football team that, one, overall the offense is not great. But they can be insanely explosive with Anthony Richardson. And that A&M defense, it's not exactly a brick wall that you're running into there. So there's a there's a chance for almost anything to happen in this ballgame. Texas at Kansas State, I already mentioned that one. But, yeah, Deuce Vaughn, it looks like Adrian Martinez may play. Um, you got big things with this. So I I think Texas at Kansas State is going to be a huge, huge spot. Uh, and then, of course, most exciting games. I do have Alabama at LSU there. Uh, probably should have put UCF at Memphis on this one, but we'll talk about it here in just a little bit. But, yeah, Alabama at LSU I think could be really, really exciting. Any game that Bryce Young and Jaden Daniels are involved in, certainly, certainly could be very exciting. Which teams have the most to gain and the most to lose this weekend? Obviously, we're going to put Tennessee-Georgia here. Uh, the winner probably going to win the SEC East. Probably, you know, headed to the college football playoff. The loser, not exactly in the best situation, right? So a lot to gain, a lot to lose for both of these teams. Uh, Neither one of them is really being knocked out of the playoff conversation with a loss here. But it just makes it that much more difficult to get in, right? Alabama at LSU. The winner takes the lead in the SEC West race. The loser probably gets knocked out of the SEC West race. So, something to pay attention to there. Texas-Kansas State, already talked about that. Um, Texas has already got three losses on the season. You take a fourth before you even play Baylor or TCU, and, yeah, then you start worrying about your your job if you're Steve Sarkeesian. Um, You've got plenty of talent on this roster. You should not have... I understand the loss to... Alabama, totally understandable. You can lo- you could lose to either Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, probably not both of them in the same season. But you lose to Kansas State, and then you go lose to one of those, either uh, TCU or whoever else. Like, the win over Oklahoma helps? Mm, not that much. Uh, you looking at a five-win, or uh, excuse me, a five-loss season, maybe a six-loss season? That's not going to go well. So, Kansas State by the way, can also maintain their lead in the Big 12 as far as the Big 12 championship race is concerned. Uh, UCF at Memphis, most to gain, most to lose. UCF got a huge win over Cincinnati. That loss to ECU hurts at this point. Uh, You have to win this game if you want to stay in the AAC race. You still got Houston sitting there with one loss. You still got Cincinnati sitting there with one loss. And you got Tulane with no losses. If you're Memphis... You got a lot to lose because you need to win a game like this. If you're Ryan Silverfield, you need to have momentum. This one's at home. It's on homecoming. You have got to find a way to win this game. Bottom line. Uh, Iowa at Purdue, as far as most to gain, most to lose. Purdue, I don't know if you realize this, is still in the race for the Big Ten West. Now, this game is going to be wet. It's going to be windy. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on in this one. So, who knows? But if you're Purdue, you need to find a way to win this ballgame. I understand the Iowa offense isn't great, but that Iowa team is much more built for weather conditions than the Purdue offense is. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, Purdue, as it sits, very, very close to getting that... that they, they have to play Illinois still. So, if you are Purdue, you got a chance here. You could win the West, but you got to get this one done at home. Uh, who are the most likely double-digit underdogs that could win outright this weekend? This is where it gets a little tricky. I don't see a lot of them that I have very much faith in whatsoever. First one I'm going to bring up, Michigan State plus 17 at Illinois. I understand everything that happened last week. I know all of this. I know what's going on. They lost a, a massive, the, probably their best defensive player due to suspension. They got absolutely embarrassed by a really good defense last week, and I think this Illinois defense could be better than what Michigan's throwing out there. However, 
You want to talk about rallying the troops? Yeah, Mel Tucker could probably do that. The thing that typically has beaten Michigan State is teams throwing against their secondary. Do you really trust Tommy DeVito to do that? Mm, I, I, I don't know that I do. Uh, we have seen Illinois turn the football over four times in a game already this year. Illinois has already lost to Indiana. Now, I know that this team has got a lot of things in their favor, but it's not like they have beaten just a slew of really, really good teams. Let's, uh, let's pull up the schedule, actually, while I'm, while I'm looking at it. Um, I, the teams that Illinois has beaten, Wyoming, Virginia, Chattanooga, Wisconsin, they beat Iowa 9-6. to uh, They beat Minnesota 26-14. to uh, And that was, I believe, that Tanner Morgan was out for that ballgame. Uh, they beat Nebraska last week, and I believe Casey Thompson got lost at one point. Um, it's not like they've beaten like a bunch of really, really good football teams. The defense has been dynamic. They have been outstanding. But the offense still may be leaving a little bit to be desired. So would it shock you? If Peyton Thorne found a way to hit up, uh, who is it, Keon Clark? Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. I think that you can find ways uh, to score on Illinois. You can find ways to make turnovers happen. Uh, We'll see. So I don't think that's absolutely crazy. Uh, I I still think Illinois probably the right side here because of the defense. Uh, But we've seen crazier things rally a team uh, aside from having eight guys suspended and having a fight happen and all that, like maybe you got some some locker room nuisances out of there. Who knows? Like I'm not, I'm certainly not suggesting that. But what I'm saying is there is a chance that Michigan State could actually be better because of what happened last week. The next game, as far as double digit underdogs that could win outright, UCLA at Arizona State. Arizona State plus ten and a half here. Uh, this Arizona State team, it can be pretty explosive on offense especially after the coaching change, they have found ways to score. You saw what they did at home against Washington. UCLA's defense is not great by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of their games have been at home thus far. If you get them riled up, the only time that UCLA has gone on the road, it's been twice now. They went to Colorado, and they went to Oregon. If you have any kind of a fan base... If you have any kind of an intimidating environment at home, Arizona State could find a way to pull this thing out. Just throwing it out there. I don't believe it'll happen. I think UCLA is a really, really good football team. But if you have those road home splits, mm, it could get tricky for UCLA. Uh, And then finally, third one I've got on here is Liberty plus 13.5. There's not a lot of double-digit dogs this week. I will tell you that. There's not a ton of them. But... uh, Maybe maybe there's a way that Hugh Freeze draws up some some plays against this Arkansas defense. This Arkansas defense giving up explosive play after explosive play right now, and that's about all that Liberty can do. They are not great as far as a consistent success rate on offense, but they can hit you with explosive passes, and it really doesn't matter uh, who is playing quarterback for them. Although I will say there are rumors. I believe Hugh Freeze actually said it. It may not be a rumor anymore. He said that Bennett is dealing with flu-like symptoms uh, this week. So, Charlie Brewer is not ready to be back yet. Caden Salter is still dealing with his injury. You could be down to a four-string quarterback if you're Liberty. So, if that is the case, maybe this thing goes up beyond 14. Uh, But this is a sandwich spot for Arkansas. Something to pay attention to. Arkansas has LSU last or next week. Um, Just something to, uh, to watch out for. The G5 games of the week are as follows. Houston at SMU. Already talked about that one. UCF at Memphis. We talked about that. Air Force versus Army. Exactly how bad is this Army defense? And can they show any sign of improvement against Air Force this week? That's what I am incredibly interested in seeing is what exactly is Army, especially going against a team that, one, they know incredibly well, and two, uh, that they, they know how to beat I mean, they're 4-1 and one against them in the last five. So, I'm, I'm very interested in that one. Of course, it's in the Texas Rangers ballpark down in Arlington. Not a great place to play football from what I understand, but, yeah, we'll see. BYU at Boise. Uh, I think that that's more of a helmet game for me. 
I like this one quite a bit. Uh, two teams heading in completely different directions. We'll see what Kalani Sataki and his bunch can uh, scrounge up here in this ballgame. But uh, instilling or installing Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator along with the quarterback Green has been a, uh, a welcome change for the Broncos. App State and Coastal, of course, is Thursday night. That is tonight. If you're watching the show on YouTube, well, you're about to watch this ballgame. If you are listening to the podcast, it's already happened. Uh, App State's offensive line is awesome. Coastal's defensive line, their front seven, not very good. We'll see if App State decides to hold on to the football for like 45 minutes. <laughs> we'll see if that's what ends up happening. I would imagine that's what it is. That's why I don't have a Pele on the game. South Alabama at Georgia Southern, I think, could be very, very interesting. South Alabama still in the Sunbelt West race. Georgia Southern has this habit of beating teams as an underdog. What Clay Helton has done there in his first season has been really impressive. I'm I'm shocked by this team sometimes. But uh, if they don't turn the football over, they got a good chance to win that ballgame. They're a four-point dog there. Troy at Louisiana is the last one that I'm going to talk about. This is a Sunbelt West matchup. I like what they are doing. I think this is a really, really good team. Um, I like Troy. A lot. That defense is just so, so good. Louisiana, eh, finicky. They turn the football over, they're going to have problems, certainly. Uh, Woolbridge turned uh, turned over the ball, I believe, three times against Southern Miss. Led to a lot of points. Uh, You got to see what's going to happen here because that Southern Miss offense isn't good. Troy, I think, one, is not good either, but they can find ways to get points on the board, especially if you're going to give them short fields. So, a very, very big game as far as the Sunbelt West is concerned. I've got a Troy Futures ticket to win that division. I need that to cash. I need that to cash. All right. That is going to wrap it up for today's show. Uh, thank you to BetUS, who, of course, brings you the show each and every time out. Go and check out the BetUS College Football Show. Make sure that you are signed up at BetUS.com, of course, and uh, and many other things. Uh, Valtimary Surf Code, don't forget the promo code. Gary10, that's Gary10 for 10% off of your order. And make sure that you enter into the picks contest. Go to winningcureseverything.com, click on contest. That's going to be your one-stop shop. Very easy to do. You can get signed up over there. The winner each week gets a $25 Amazon gift card. So go ahead and check it out. All right, with that said, we are going to get out of here. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Share out the show. Tell your friends about it. Go ahead and like the video for us if you would so kindly. And, uh, and yes, I hope you all have wonderful, wonderful weekends. With that said, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, and make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE, and the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.